Hello, everyone, and welcome in for another edition of the TBH Sports Podcast. The NFL is back. We finally survived what felt like an endless offseason, and this first week has left us with a lot of questions. But before we answer any of those questions, we have some track talk to get to after a wild race at Monza. And you heard it. F1 coming on the show. You already know who it is. It is beloved Daniel Ricardo hater Ethan Jordan joining us this week. Ethan, welcome uh, welcome into the show. How was your weekend? I like how you, you've never led with me as a Daniel Ricardo hater before. <laughs> and now, all of a sudden, that's the lead. Okay. Okay, uh, I see how it is. <laughs> to be fair, I, I have not been very high on Ricardo. I think he has deserved everything he has gotten and more in terms of uh, in the criticism um, it is just, and it's just funny to me that, you know, again, you were on that bandwagon before I was, and I give you props. And this does not solve uh, the Daniel Ricardo situation that is currently at McLaren. We'll have a chance to talk about that in just a moment. But there was a bigger story that came out of this race. Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton taking each other out going into that first chicane. Max has been given a three-place three-place grid penalty and a two-point penalty on his license. Both of those will be accrued for the next race. Really quickly, Ethan, I do have a very brief trivia question for you. So Max Verstappen has now accrued 23 penalty points throughout the course of his career on his license. That ties him for first place all time for the most penalty points. Would you like to guess which Formula F1 or which former F1 legend holds that spot tied with Max Verstappen? Oh boy. Um Don't overthink this. I don't even- is it Roman? It's Roman. <laughs> yeah. It is absolutely Roman Grosjean. So let's let's talk about this crash first, because obviously the results of the race, you know, that's another story entirely. But what everyone is talking about is the two championship protagonists take each other out going into that first corner. And, you know, again, it's hard to put blame on one or the other. It kind of did look like Lewis didn't leave Max a lot of room. But at the same time, Max had the option to kind of veer off onto onto the that middle section and rejoin the track and chose to try to continue the move. So what did you see? What was kind of your takeaway from from that collision? Well, it's really weird. When, you know, Max Verstappen gets blamed for a crash, I don't (laughs) see people on Twitter asking him to be, you know, kicked out of F1, and that's unsportsmanlike. Where was this? Where where was it? It it, it wasn't out there. When Lewis causes the crash, oh, oh boy. Eh, He should be kicked out, never allowed to drive a, smart car again like i i i I, we've talked about the double standard before it's annoying but this i think was very similar to that previous crash in that somebody got a little slap on the wrist for it but at the end of the day i think it was another racing incident that was bound to happen between two guys that aren't going to give each other any space yes lewis could have gotten out of his way max could have gotten out of lewis's way a couple weeks ago but he didn't because they're just not going to do that. This isn't, you know, Kimi Raikkonen driving by Yuki Tsunoda and Tsunoda says, ah, he's got a little more pace than me. I'm going to get out of the way. That's just not going to happen between these two, especially the way this year has gone between these two teams. It, it's just not going to happen. They're not going to give each other an inch. And I don't think this is the last time they're going to hit each other this year, frankly. 
No, I, I completely agree. And you actually alluded to this. I, there was that incident earlier this season where, you know, again, Lewis kind of got out of the way. He let Max get by. He never had a chance to retake him. Max ended up winning the race. And you said after another incident that happened a little bit after that, that you thought this was going to heat up. And to be fair, I think they've been very cordial about how they've talked about each other off the track. You heard from Max Verstappen, you know, he was asked, did you say anything to Lewis after you got out of the car? And he said, no. You know, I just wanted to take a second to let my head cool a little bit. Um, but but again, on track, this has been everything we hoped it would be and more. And, it, you know, again, it shows in the standings right now. Verstappen, 226 and a half points. Lewis Hamilton, just five points behind him with 221 and a half. And then everybody else behind them. The Mercedes and Red Bull battle is also raging on. It's also been very close. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. But I think to me, feel free to step in and disagree, but I think you're probably on the same page here. There are eight races left. I have no idea who's going to win this championship, and I'm here for every second of it. Yeah, I really don't know. I think, unfortunately, this championship is not going to come down to who drives better. Well, that's not quite true. It's not going to come down to, oh... You know, Max is two points behind in the final race, and they're gonna. It's gonna be wheel to wheel. See who wins that race. I unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen because I think this championship is going to be decided by who has a problem with their car or who you know spins or crashes. I think the first guy, and maybe not the first, because I think it could. We still have a lot of racing left, but I really think it's going to be not decided on the track i just had this bad feeling that it's going to be well remember that one race three weeks before the end of the season where max you know his i don't know his transmission failed and well there there's the championship i hope that doesn't happen but it kind of seems that way if you're asking me okay both guys are going to either both crash out and hit each other again or they're going to finish every race right now the mercedes looks a little quicker than the red bull at the moment, maybe that's just the Italian track, which I think we can talk about a little bit more when we talk about McLaren on why Mercedes looked a little bit quicker there. But right now, it just seems like the Mercedes is just a touch quicker. So I, I actually disagree, at least from everything that I've seen recently. Of the last six races that have been won by either Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen has won five of those races. And a lot of those have just been... Lewis gets behind him and just can't seem to catch up. It almost seems like, and again, you can say what you will about the second car, but you know, for the Verstappen v. Hamilton battle, I just don't think that Mercedes has really been able to keep up with the Red Bull so far, at least not in these last five or six races. Yeah, I really base what I'm saying off of the last two races. I okay, thought okay. the Mercedes looked a lot quicker in Spa, was that the last race? And then it was clearly, I think, outpacing the Red Bull. Again, We'll talk about this a little more with Italy. I think it could be a track thing, uh, and that's why Mercedes. I'd like to see. I'd like to wait another week and just see if what I've seen from Mercedes these last two weeks is for real, because that makes things a whole lot more interesting. Because you're right. Before that, Verstappen was cooking Lewis. If there was no other interference, or if Lewis couldn't get away when the lights went out, it. It just wasn't really that close. And hopefully Mercedes has tinkered and these two can go right at each other again. Because whenever they've gone wheel to wheel, they seem to have crashed. And so I would really like to see a clean race where they're both like right on each other, not, you know, Max way out in front, 
one-two finish, but a, like a close one-two finish. Sure, like the like the season opener in Bahrain, almost where like you know the very yeah. end of it, you, you nobody nobody's wrecking the other, but at the same time, both cars have a chance to finish. I, I tend to agree, but let's talk about some of the other things that happened during this race. The biggest, of course, it's a McLaren one-two for Daniel Ricciardo and for Lando Norris. Obviously, the best performance from Daniel Ricciardo that we've seen all year. Now, again, this does not excuse the just absolutely horrendous driving that we've seen from him earlier this season, but at the same time, this has got to feel good, not only for him, but for McLaren, and I feel like, you know, I was a little bit more on the bandwagon that maybe Ferrari could push that McLaren team a little bit, but I, I think I'm starting to, to hop off of that a little bit, even though they're only separated by 14 points in the constructor standings, a win like this, and the way things have been trending, it just seems like McLaren has kind of, kind of gotten it going again. There was one highlight I saw from the race in I don't remember seeing it live. I watched the whole race, and then I also watched the highlights today. And I don't remember seeing it during the race, but I saw it in the highlights. I, it was either McLaren or Rebel, and somebody just absolutely cooked Charles Leclerc. Like, the Ferrari looked kind of slow again, and I was just like, oh, yeah, you're not in the same class right now, guys. Like, it, it's not it's not as close as maybe we thought. If Daniel Ricciardo, and we've said this all year, if Daniel Ricciardo can, you know, be confident at least it's not even close uh, the mclaren is just too good and then especially at italy where the mclaren excels ferrari didn't have a prayer against them and yeah maybe this is a turning point for danny rick i i don't know it's huge for mclaren because they haven't won a race since what 2012 so that that's big and it's kind of interesting that danny rick was the one to do it and not norris but I don't know, take from that what you will. Oh, and it did make sense, you know, team orders, you don't want them crashing into each other, so they go ahead and, you know, Lando asked, to be fair, Lando, you know, he, he wanted to see if they would let him pass Ricardo, but, you know, at the end of the day, Ricardo did the hard work, he had one of the best starts that I think we've seen all season to get into that first position, and then he was able to hold it throughout the race, so it definitely seemed like he deserved it there, but yeah, I mean, again, a great, great day for them overall as a team. Um, there, there are some other interesting moving parts, not necessarily in this race. If you have something else you want to, you want to talk about this race, feel free to jump in here. Um, but there are a lot of moving parts in the sport of F1 that we haven't had a chance to talk about. Of course, a lot of bouncing around, a lot of moving. I've gone from Cape Cod, Massachusetts now here to Kent, Ohio. Williams has come out of the woodwork. They have now scored points in, I believe, each of their last four races. That is not something that I was anticipating having to say. They will be losing their best driver. George Russell goes to Mercedes. Valtteri Bottas has announced he will be going to Alfa Romeo. Kimi Raikkonen will be retiring. And Alex Albon will be going to Williams. There's a lot to unpack there. But really quickly, I just wanted to ask, as a whole, what do you think of Williams? And what do you think of George to Mercedes? Well... I think we knew that Williams was going to be better this year. They got rid of their terrible management. <laughs> I have railed on Claire Williams a few times on this show. She is awful. And, and that whole thing was not working. So now they at least can take us, can stop moving backwards. And I think that they've started to slowly move forward this year. I think Williams is going to take a big leap next year, even along with Alfa Romeo. I think they might be the two big gainers next year. Not in terms of, you know, they're not going to compete. Don't get me wrong. But they're going to be, you're going to look and say, oh, wow, that's that's different. Uh, just simply because the management is better, but the, the new rules, they are going to, I think, be your, your big movers uppers. Now that, you know, you, you replace Reikonen, who's old and washed, with Valtteri Bottas, who's much better. And then as, on Williams' side, they're already getting just a little bit better 
each race and and Russell can just that that dude can flat out drive. I, I am glad he's going to Mercedes this year because I, I would have just been annoyed watching him in a Williams for another year. And, and this is nothing against Valtteri Bottas. In fact, I, I'm also glad he's leaving Mercedes for Valtteri's sake because that was not. I don't think that. I think that it turned into a bad situation for him. But on the point of Russell, we get to see him in a real car. One year sooner than I expected, to be honest with you. I thought it would be after 2022 that he'd go there. So I'm happy for him. I, I think this is a good move for everybody, including Alex Albon. Get him back in a in a car. That is good. He'll be he'll be fun at Williams. I think Nicholas Latifi is still there because reasons. <laughs> but you know, I, I I was surprised by the Albon move. I know it kind of got leaked before it happened. But like before it got leaked, I would never have expected that. It was, it was like, oh, Alex Albon is going to Williams. Wow. Oh, okay. Why every well, every time they ask him why he's bad, Nicholas Latifi looks like that kid who like knows he messed up, but just isn't. Ca- he looks like the kid who wet himself for like the fifth time that week, and he knows that what he did was stupid, and he just can't explain it. Like it's so sad watching his press conferences because again, he just. He knows he's bad. I think even he is surprised that he's still in Formula One at this point. But there's no time to talk about Nicholas Latifi's ineptitude. There is one driver whose ineptitude I wanted to talk about very quickly. And it's not entirely his fault. But I think the hype was maybe a little too big coming into the season. And now I'm starting to ask myself, and I know other people are starting to ask this question too. Before we get into the standings and kind of wrap things up here on the on the F1 note, Ethan... What in the hell is going on with Yuki Sonoda? Because this looked like it was going to be the the beginning of something great at the beginning of the year, and it just has not looked like that, at least not these last seven or eight races. Yeah, I haven't been real thrilled with AlphaTauri as a whole this year. I, I think they've regressed a little bit. Um, They have a similarly designed car to Red Bull, and... The Red Bull just does not do well in Italy. It's something to do with the, the downforce is like much greater at Italy than it is in almost any other track. And so it, this favors cars like Mercedes and McLaren. The way that their tail fin is designed works better to they, – they don't have as much downforce from the tail fin, which you don't need in Italy because you're already getting – this extra downforce. And that's the reason, I think, part of the reason McLaren won this race. I think Daniel Ricciardo would have had a go at the race, even if Lewis and Verstappen hadn't crashed. I'm not saying he would have won still, but he might have had a go because I think the McLaren car is just perfectly suited for Italy. So all that is to say, I don't think Alfa Tari would have had much of a chance in this race anyway, but then they both DNF'd. And I, I think Yuki Sonoda has gotten a little bit unlucky. I think he's been a little bit reckless. I don't think it's that he's a bad driver. I think it's that he is young and inexperienced and his car has not served him to the best it could. I, I, I'm going to shelf Yuki Tsunoda for next year. I'm not out on him, but I'm not, you know, I'm not jumping for joy, but I, I think it's too early to say. I, I agree that I'm not out on him, but I think part of, I think some of the detrimental things that have happened with his car in races have actually been his fault because he has now crashed in three of the last three races in either qualifying 
or in the practice sessions. And so when your mechanics are having to work overtime to get your car ready, you know, it's just not a good look. But like you said, completely inexperienced. He is a very young driver at the beginning of his career. He has plenty of time to figure it out. And I kind of agree. Put a pin in it for now. Reevaluate, kind of come back and see where things are at with Yuki Tsunoda a year from now. Well, if we wanted parity, we certainly have gotten that so far this season. 12 different drivers have found the podium. Max and Checo at Red Bull, Lewis and Valtteri at Mercedes, Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris have each seen it at McLaren, Leclerc and Sainz, the pairing at Ferrari, and then of course Gasly, Vettel, Acon, and George Russell, who did not even need to race to finish on the podium, the most George Russell thing ever. There will be more podiums in that man's future next year when he is driving the Mercedes. Driver standings look like this, mentioned Verstappen at 226, Hamilton at 221, Bottas at 141, Norris at 132, Perez at 118. Really quickly, I, I did want to come back to this because I, I had to I had to admit I was wrong about I thought Ferrari was going to be closer and again only 15 points off. But I want to ask you about one of the takes you had preseason, and then I want to go back and take a look at our preseason picks and kind of how far off both of us were there. But look, man, P10, Fernando Alonso, he has been better than his teammate. In Esteban Ocon, he has finished ahead of Vettel, at least so far. He's been better than I thought, and I think he's definitely been better than you thought. I mean, what do you make of Fernando Alonso's kind of F1 resurgence this year? I think I said it on either the last one we did or the one before that. Uh, He has shut me up. (laughs) I, I said hats off to Fernando Alonso. I was wrong. You look good, man. You know, he's been classy out on the track. I have appreciated it, and... I think I said it there. The, the, Al- the Alpine has been way better than I expected. I expected that car to be garbage, and it's been a little bit better than that. So, you know what? Hats off to Alpine. Hats off to Fernando Alonso. He's looked really good. I, I was wrong. I was wrong about Fernando. I still think it's a little stupid from Alpine to, to bring him in <laughs> at some level because, like, you're not actually competing. Bring in a young driver. I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, you lose Daniel Ricciardo. You're like, oh, we got to make a splashy move. I kind of get it. Hats off to Fernando Alonso. It's been fun having another former champion on the grid actually doing things unlike Kimi Raikkonen. So, you know, cheers to Fernando Alonso. My B. Sure, sure. Fair enough. Well, let's talk about where both of us were wrong. We made some way too early preseason predictions right after last year's F1 season ended. So some of this is is kind of irrelevant, but I did I did write it down. I did want to come back and revisit it. We're eight races out from the final. And to be fair, when it comes to the constructors, we actually kind of did okay. Both of us had Mercedes 1 and Red Bull 2. I had McLaren 3. You had Aston Martin 3, RIP. And then oh I had Aston Martin 4, RIP, Ferrari 5. You actually said that Renault slash Alpine was going to be the fifth best team on the grid. Unfortunately, you did not have Ferrari in your top five. So that's kind of that's kind of where we where we messed things up a little bit there. Um, but the driver's standings is where it gets a lot more intriguing. I don't know if you remember any of this or not, but just for fun, both of us said there was going to be Hamilton 1, Verstappen 2, Bottas 3. So far, so good, with the exception that Verstappen is leading the championship by just a bit. You had Danny Rick... We Actually, we both had Danny Rick at 4. That oh boy. did not pan out. 
Um, I had Leclerc at five, followed by Albon, which is then Checo, and then Vettel, Sainz, Stroll, and Lando Norris all the way down in P10. I don't know what I was thinking with that. You, to your credit, had Vettel, then Leclerc, Norris, Stroll, and Sainz, so you figured it out a little bit faster than I did on Lando Norris. But uh, yeah, big, big rest in peace to both of us thinking Danny Rick could be the fourth best driver on the grid in uh, in 2021. That's not even the thing about that that concerns me the most. Like, that's like fair enough. You know, a good driver going to a team that's on the up and up. Fair enough. I think anyone back then would have said, oh, that's not a bad take. What the heck was I? Aston Martin, where was that coming from? Well, I mean, again, we, we both were, it was a, they finished in third. Did uh did the pink Mercedes a year before? I, so was, you know, was the, this was still when Checo was on the team though? Correct. Yes, this was when Checo was on the team. Yes. Okay, that 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 helps because both of That's, us had Alex Albon on our lists. R.I.P. to Alex Albon. So okay, so that helps a little bit, but I don't know if it had come out how bad Aston Martin was going to be compared to. Had the, all the sanctions and stuff against them yeah. been laid down yet? You still, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was where we differed because I, I said that they weren't just going to get to copy Mercedes' homework, but you thought that they were still going to pull it together. You, I mean, and again, the, the financial backing was there, so that made sense. Um, but yeah, it's just been a it's been a rough year for Aston Martin so far this season. Yeah, I don't think anyone really expected Norris to be quite this good. No, no, um, yeah, he's been ridiculous. So that has helped McLaren a ton because think about it norris has really done most of the work there mm-hmm. yep. so eh, the mclaren miss is bad but not horrendous i don't know what i was thinking with aston martin that was awful <laughs> hey it's okay you uh you did call that alpine was going to be better than expected i thought they were going to be horrendous in their p5 <clears throat> All right, so two more quick notes, and then we'll wrap it up here on F1. The first, just very simply, um, look, Williams has now scored points in each of their last four races. I believe both of the two drivers for Alfa Romeo have a point. Let's just take a moment to laugh at Haas, because we can. Um, Wow, wow. Talk about, like, at least there was, you know, misery loves company. At least Williams also didn't score any points last year. But if you're Haas, oh boy. It's gonna be it's gonna be a rough ride. I'm not even sure that they're gonna be a Formula One team here in a couple of years, but they'll figure it out. On the other side, well, then, well go ahead, go ahead. I mean, ex- <clears throat> uh, you know, just put a punctuation on that. Their their drivers ran into each other this weekend. Yeah, so that that was fun. And Mazepin's been doing a lot of finger pointing recently at everyone other than himself. Well, I mean, actually, I think Mazepin might be right here. Not that he's doing anything right, and like he's in, you know, he's the knight in shiny armor, you know. No, but that whole team is a mess. My goodness, somebody needs to be fired, or they need to leave F one. I and by that person being fired, I mean Gunther because he's terrible. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they have they have in fact looked like a bunch of wankers on track um, throughout the course of the season. The last thing I wanted to ask you about, we talked a little bit about the constructor standings. Mercedes currently sits ahead of Red Bull, 362 and a half to 344 and a half. Checo has been a little iffy recently, but Mercedes has kind of had their problems too. Is there still a path for Red Bull to get back into this? Or do you think that when it comes to the overall team performance, regardless of who wins the driver's championship, it's going to be a seventh consecutive victory for Mercedes? Boy, Checo has looked, bad recently i've been really really not impressed with checo of late i i he he's been really disappointing i i I don't know what it is there's that stretch there where he kind of is like oh he's finally getting it figured out 
coming into his own, and then he has been bad. And I, I just don't. And, and when I say bad, I don't mean you know bad, bad, but bad for someone who's trying to help a team compete for the world championship. Bad, for sure. And, and Butas has been better. I think he's just happy that he's out of there, and he's going to just try and show out at the end of his Mercedes career. And for that reason, I, I think Mercedes wins the constructors again. I, I just unless Butas gets really unlucky again, but it seems like his luck has changed a little bit. I, I think. I think I still think Lewis wins over Verstappen and therefore I think Mercedes narrowly beats him out. All right. I wasn't even asking for predictions, but I, I kind of like it. I'll go ahead and make mine. I actually think that it's going to be Verstappen winning the driver's championship. Um, I, I Again, I just, I, I feel like Red Bull knows this is their chance. And I think that we've seen Lewis sometimes just getting frustrated. And I think that Red Bull really does have more pace with the peak driver um, than the Mercedes. But I think as far as the constructors go, it is a wrap. I just looked at it really quickly. You want to give me a guess as to the podium count between Bottas and Perez? A lot to a little. Yeah, it's eight to two. That is uh, not oh. not ideal. And I didn't realize it was that bad. And like you could, because the it, it's so easy to forget that Valtteri Bottas is on the podium. Like most of these are third place finishes and he's always there, but he's so quiet about it that like you forget he's been on the podium eight times this season. Um, but yeah, Perez just has not been able to figure it out. And even if he does figure it out down the straightaway, they're trying to make up 20 points. That's going to be a challenge in and of itself. So that is my thought. You and I have uh, opposite takes here on the driver's championship, but I think both of us are confident in Mercedes. Ethan, really quickly before we move on to some gridiron talk, any uh, any final thoughts, comments, anything you want to say here about the final eight races of the F1 season? Valtteri Bottas will win one more race as a Mercedes driver. That's my take. I don't know which race it's going to be. It's going to happen. I like it. Uh, and I guess really quickly, uh, we, we going to Texas on October 22nd? <laughs> Bet. <laughs> I mean, I'll check the calendar. Well, I, I, I may actually consider it. I've, I've never thought about it before, but hey, you know what? You might as well. All right. We will step away for just a moment. And when we come back, we will be breaking down an exciting week one in the NFL. It's coming up right after this here on the TBH Sports Podcast. And welcome back to the TBH Sports Podcast. Football is upon us. It's a chance to talk about the first week of the NFL season, all 32 teams in action. And it was an interesting one. There were some teams that really did kind of show us some different looks that we need to get into. We need to ask ourselves that question we ask every single season of, are we overreacting? Is it time to overreact? Is it time to push the panic button on week one on some of these teams? But before we get into the games that matter, or at the very least, the games with the teams that matter, I want to very briefly at least address the other games that happened. Some of the games that either didn't give us any new information or that just involve teams that don't really matter. Um, so let's go ahead and just roll through these really quickly first, and then we'll get into the games that we actually want to kind of take a more of an in-depth look at. And let's start with Eagles-Falcons. The Eagles take a 32-6 to win over Atlanta. Jalen Hurts looked pretty good. 27 for 60 or 27 for 35, 270 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. The Eagles may be better than expected, but Ethan, I still don't think this matters for anything down the stretch. And boy, the Falcons look bad. Yeah, that's really the big takeaway here is the Falcons are awful. Uh, I actually kind of like the Falcons, not as a playoff team, but it's like, oh, the Falcons will be better. No, they look terrible. And the Eagles, you hit it. You said it. Their defense looks a little frisky. Jalen Hurts looks good. I don't know. Maybe they have a little run at the division. I don't know. 
let's overreact. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe not. There is one team though that you never know. Maybe maybe we should overreact cuz no one thought they were going to win more than two games this season and they're already halfway there. The Houston Texans absolutely took it to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 37 to 21. My takeaway here, Houston might not be as awful as we thought, but uh the Jaguars are still really bad at football. You think the Jags should have taken an offensive lineman instead hmm, of running back? Maybe. They look, they looked awful. I mean, boy, uh, the Texans actually look kind of confident. I think Tyrod Taylor is better than people give him credit for. But yeah, the Texans are still going to be bad. But the Jaguars, come on, man! Like and that was, that was wow. I don't even think we can use this game to adequately measure Trevor Lawrence's abilities because the guy was running for his life on half of these plays. Like, I I just, there's not a lot to break down here. Um, And obviously, this is not going to be a, a, the start of something great for Houston. You can mark it down right now. Um, But yeah, Texans take care of business. They take over the Jags, 37-21. Jacksonville still not that good at football. One team that did get a bit of a bad rap last year because, well, you know, three quarters of the roster was on IR, the San Francisco 49ers. They take care of business against the Detroit Lions, 41-33. Of course, Raheem Mostert has been placed on IR, so that's kind of starting to become a, a bit of a question mark again here for San Francisco. But I'm telling you, if they play the way they did in the first three quarters against the Lions, this team, as I predicted, and as I think you predicted as well, is primed for a playoff run this year. Oh, absolutely. I, I This was a really good team that just got bitten by, like, not an injury. You know those bugs? Like, I don't know. This is going to sound uneducated. The Triassic period or whatever. You see them, <laughs> you know, these, these giant, like, 10-foot bugs. That's the injury bug this 49ers got bitten by. They're going to be just fine. I think they're really good. The Lions are bad, though I would have liked to have seen the 49ers defense get after them a little bit more. I thought the Lions offensive line and running game actually looked okay. Right. A lot of that did come in garbage time, but yeah, ultimately, I think the Ni- or the, the Lions looked more competent than I expected them to, um, especially in that second half. Again, I know that at that point, the Niners had left off the gas a little bit, but yeah, the Detroit looked kind of competent, so just something to kind of keep an eye on uh, as we move on. We also had our first overtime game of the 2021 season in a thriller that absolutely no one in their right mind was watching. The Bengals get an OT win over the Vikings, 27-24. It just, I can't bring myself to care about this game, but I will say to that small conglomerate of people that thought the Vikings were going to be a legitimate playoff team this year, uh, I present to you figure A. (laughs) Yeah. How, if you're the Vikings, like this highly touted Vikings defense, and I'll admit, I like the Vikings defense. Going into the year, I was like, you know what? I don't think the Vikings are a playoff team, but I kind of like their defense. How are you going to get roughed up? by the Bengals' offensive line. Like, come on, guys. That, that was awful. I, I really think the Vikings were the most disappointing, well, the second most disappointing team in week one. And I didn't even think they were going to be good, but just like, come on, man. Uh, I don't know. And the Bengals, I don't care about them. I, they've got fun weapons. I like their receivers, and their running backs are okay. But, yeah, who cares? Yeah, fair enough. Let's move on. Oh, really quickly before we move on, I just want to say to everyone who was just going absolutely ballistic on Jamar Chase in the preseason – 
this is your invitation to shut up. That's all I have to say about that. Um, let's move on to a, a game that I know isn't all that intriguing on its face, but it involves your favorite team, so I'm going to give you a chance to talk about it. We got a chance to see a new quarterback make his debut. The Panthers do hold off the Jets, though, 19-14. to Darnold and Wilson both looked pretty good in that game, or at least looked okay. Um, I, I did want to see more from the Jets team, but, you know, again, as a Jets fan, you've seen this team, you've wallowed in the misery for years. You know, what, what's your thought uh, from your team here after this first week? Classic Jets loss. Uh, look terrible at the beginning. Give me some hope in the middle and then ultimately lose. That's that's right out of the old playbook. Um, Jets Nation needs to relax on Zach Wilson. It was his first NFL game and his <laughs> offensive line looked terrible. So relax. Uh, and I'm not even the big, I'm not a big Zach Wilson guy. I was not happy when they drafted him. I wanted uh, fields, but you know, relax. That was my biggest takeaway is the Jets' offensive line looks bad. I That wasn't good. Uh, Mekhi Becton got hurt. They're probably their best player. That's really not good. It, it, you know what? If the Jets are smart, they're going to tank again this year and get another good pick because while I think they are better than last year, they're not primed to really go anywhere. I will say the front seven looked really good with C.J. Mosley. I like that, so that's good. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, now for the game that I think – collectively people may have cared about the least um it's either this or it is that Bengals Vikings game uh the Broncos handled the Giants 27 to 13 Teddy Bridgewater who I love by the way uh he looked pretty good but aside from that I could not care less about anything that happened in this game that is really strange that you say that uh I, I actually totally disagree I think people really? really did care about this game maybe it's because I'm in Colorado but uh you know Denver the Giants are two very popular teams. The Giants did their their nine eleven thing before the game. I think I thought I thought there was a lot of buzz leading up to this, just to see you know how is Saquon going to be. Let's watch Daniel Jones be incompetent. <laughs> the Broncos quarterback saga of the offseason. You know we got to see Teddy Bridgewater, who people some were upset about being becoming quarterback over drew lock I, I thought there was a lot of storylines the broncos are supposed to be improved and i think they are i i, I do want to talk about teddy i think he looked really good he was uh i don't i don't remember this receiver's name but he, he dropped a ball a deep throw from teddy like a deep time from teddy it was unbelievable uh yeah i, I think the broncos looked really good it was against the giants the giants are awful they might be the worst team in football and eh, their defense is too good but they might have the worst offense in football. I want to see the Broncos against a real team, and then I want to talk about them again. But, yeah, I, I think people cared about this game, even if there was no, you know, standings playoff reason to care about this game. And that's kind of where I'm coming from on that. Obviously, this is a matchup between two teams that are not going to see the postseason more than likely. Um, I did find a number, and now I cannot find it. I'm going to very quickly ramble and try to find it super fast. And if I can't, then I'm just going to move on. But it was a stat that I saw about the Giants, and it's just the saddest thing that I've seen in a very long time. Of course, trying to filter through a bunch of uh, Major League Baseball talk that we were having in that same group chat. Point being, it's been the Giants have the longest active streak since 2017. I believe they are the only team in the NFL to at no point in any season hold a winning record. That is absolutely staggering. Um, so yeah, rest in peace to the uh, to the Giants. And of course, for those expecting a giant resurgence out of Saquon, 
Well, that was uh, not exactly the case. Saquon or Saquon Barkley, 10 carries, 26 yards, zero touchdowns. Uh, and I I feel a little bad, Ethan, because I stuck you with him in fantasy. <laughs> I uh, I passed on him to take Aaron Jones. To be fair, Aaron Jones didn't do anything either. So we're both we're both uh, not not taking dubs there. There was yeah, the, my, go ahead. It's fine. The Saquon thing's fine. He wasn't supposed to get a lot of carries. I figured, you know, Saquon. He'll get into the end zone once. They'll let him, you know, they'll get close and say, hey, you know what, get Saquon in there, get his wet zone legs under him. I don't know. So I started him instead of Melvin Gordon, who had like 19 points. So, oh. And that is the reason I lost my fantasy matchup to our friend Julia. So rest in peace. Oof. Never, never a yeah. good time. Um, there was another game, and it wasn't necessarily that this game didn't intrigue me. I think it's between two teams that could potentially make the playoffs. The problem was the way Red Zone was structured and the way I was kind of running around. I just didn't get to see much of this game. The Dolphins slipped by the Patriots 17-16. to 16. Obviously, you know, big games for, for Mac Jones, who's making his first NFL start, and for Tua Tagovailoa here in his second season. Did you get a chance to see much out of this game? And if so, what were your thoughts on uh, on that quarterback matchup? I saw some. I thought I, I would rather have Mac Jones right now than Tua. That's my takeaway. But I would also rather be the Dolphins than the Patriots. Sure. So I think the, the the Patriots got a competent quarterback, and everybody lost their mind. And it was like, oh, the you know the Patriots are making the playoffs again, and, and maybe they will. But I, I people just like forgot how good the Dolphins were, and and I get it. Some people don't like Tua. I'm not the biggest fan. I don't think he's their QB of the future. But I think Tua is at least competent. I think that defense is for real. And I think people I think the Dolphins are the better team than the Patriots. I, I like the Patriots offensive line, but their secondary just looked miserable. I mean, come on guys. It, it, it didn't look good. Uh, the run game wasn't as good as it could have been, but I think Harris will bounce back next week. Uh, we'll see. Uh, that's going to be a battle to watch though. I think those two teams are going to really go at each other this year. But I think people have kind of forgotten about the Dolphins a little bit too much. No, I completely agree. I picked them as a playoff team in the AFC. And, you know, you say Damian Harris needs to bounce back. He rushed for 100 yards this week. So, you know, some good things happening out of that camp. And, and again, it's one of those I just I want a chance to actually really kind of watch these teams a little bit more. Um, didn't get a chance to see a ton out of them. But I agree. This is going to be an interesting uh, it's going to be an interesting battle between these two, possibly for that last playoff spot in the AFC as we head down the stretch. Uh, last game here in this tier of games that I really don't think many people care about or didn't give us that much new information. The Rams beat down the Bears 34-14 to on Sunday Night Football. There is one thing that I want to talk about really quickly. I said, and I, I got into a rare debate on this show. It doesn't happen very often. Um, but I got a debate with Koki Riley over this. I said, Matthew Stafford makes the Rams the second best team in the NFC. I said, I don't think it's the Packers anymore, although they're not as far off as I thought. And yes, it's early, and it's far too early to claim a victory there. But this Rams team with Matthew Stafford looks a lot better than they did with Jared Goff. And the Packers, we'll talk about them later. Oh, boy. Well, I don't I don't even know if it makes the Rams the second best team. It might make them the best team in the NFC. Whoa. Hot, hot take. Wow. I, the, I, I picked the Rams to make the Super Bowl this year. Okay. I told Koki this, and maybe I should so we can argue about it. <laughs> I think the Rams have a really nice defensive line i think they've got excellent corners i think they have a solid offensive line yes the run game's a little bit hurt because of the injuries okay you can find a running back just ask you know whoever but their biggest problem last year was their quarterback like i I just don't get where people are coming from with this other rams will be all right you know 
they were a really good team other than Jared Goff. I don't think there's a lot of holes there. I think the receivers are good. People forget how good Robert Woods is. He's a stud. Cooper Cup's a really nice second option. Are they infallible? No, but they are. They dealt with their biggest issue, and people forget how good Matt Stafford is because he played in Detroit. The Detroit receiving core the last forever since Megatron retired has been awful. I mean, just just really miserable. Their running game has slowly improved, and it's going to be better this year. But come on, man. Matt Stafford is a stud. I really think he is, and he finally is on a real team. Like, I thought... I really thought the reaction to this would be like, oh my gosh, the Rams just like broke the NFC a little bit. And I was like, oh, Matt Stafford, okay. It's like, this guy isn't Kirk Cousins. Like, he's better than that. I just, I, I think the Rams are going to the Super Bowl. That's my take. There you have it. I, I, I like the Rams a lot. Sure, I, I agree. I also like the Rams a lot. I, I think that the the gap between them and the Bucks it, it's definitely closer than I thought. I still don't know how I would feel about that matchup, but I definitely think that the gap there is a gap between the Bucks, the Rams, and everyone else. And look, yeah, uh, Matthew Stafford, twenty for twenty six, three hundred and twenty one yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Like he can replicate that week in and week out if you need him to. He's capable of throwing the deep ball, which is not something that we saw out of Jared Goff these last year. And again, it's just, it opens up more options because you don't have to run him specifically in a system. So I really loved what I saw out of the Rams. Uh, and as for the Bears, just put in Justin Fields. Like, I'm sorry, just just do it. Like, I understand that you said Andy Dalton is your guy, but like, it's just another one of these deals where unless you're worried about Justin Fields getting hurt, I don't see why he's not on the field. Well, that I think is the reason because the Bears offensive line is awful. Yeah. And do you really want to put your rookie quarterback in there just to run for his life? Like, we saw them do the Jets do that with Sam Darnold. It's not a good idea. I, I, so I kind of get that. Matt Nagy's not a good coach. There's nothing to get excited about with the Bears. I, I, David Montgomery looked a little better than I thought he was. Huh? 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 Yeah. That's about the only takeaway I had from that. Them. They're, they're a bad football team. I. Uh, there was no really takeaway I could make about the Rams because they played a bad football team. So we will talk about the Bucks and how I think the Rams match up with them when we talk about the Bucks. Sure. Well, we will talk about the Bucks here in just a moment. But before we get into the games that matter, that wraps up that tier. I just wanted to ask you, what was your biggest overall takeaway from week one? Oh, boy. Um, I thought the, you know, one of my takeaways, I thought all the rookies looked really good. I, I really okay. did. I, I I thought the rookies really showed out in, in, in week one, which isn't always the case, right? So that was one of my big takeaways. It's hard to base, you know, say, oh, my big takeaway is this team is actually good. Like, it's week one. So I guess if you're looking kind of broadly, that, that would be it. I, I thought the rookies looked good. No, that's a really good I answer. Thought, that's that's better than what I mean. Again, I, I was kind of expecting. I don't know what I was expecting. But that, was, that was good. That was good. I think my my big takeaway from week one, and maybe it's overreacting, but when you look at how many teams fall into this category, and on the other side, how many do not, uh, the AFC might be in trouble. Like, this was not a good showing from the AFC. It was a brutal week, and we're going to talk about a lot of the teams here in just a moment um, that we're referring to when we say that. But again, you look at what happened to the teams that are supposed to be at the top of this conference. The Bills got stifled by Pittsburgh. The Titans got blown out by Arizona. The Colts got manhandled by Seattle. And the Ravens really, really struggled to handle and then ultimately lost 
to the Raiders in Vegas. So let's start with an all NFC matchup. Let's go ahead and talk about Thursday night football. We had a chance to watch the defending champion Super Bowl or the defending Super Bowl winners in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They came back to beat the Cowboys 31 to 29. I have two takeaways from this game. Anyone that was worried about Dak Prescott can breathe a bit of a sigh of relief. He looked fine. And I think that this is a Cowboys team that's going to be really good. I feel like my pick for them to win their division is solidified uh, a little bit more than maybe it was coming into the season. But on the other side of the coin, the Bucks are still really good. And oh yeah, by the way, if you were for a seventh consecutive season waiting for Tom Brady to fall off a cliff... I'm just convinced the man's going to play till he's 55. Like, at what point does does Tom Brady start to not look like Tom Brady? Yeah, no, Brady, uh, you know, I stopped, I'm, as a Jets fan, I stopped betting against Brady a long time ago. Uh, he, he tore my team a, a new one about every every season. It's like, oh, well, now he's 40. Well, he did it again. So I, I've stopped doing that. I don't even bother with that stuff anymore. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on Dak. He looked really good. The Cowboys' defense still is terrible, though. I, I hate their defense. It is awful. And if their offensive line is a shade worse than they were before, then they're in a little bit of trouble, I, I, I think. I, I, I'm not thrilled with Zeke at the moment. But, again, maybe that's because of how good he was. Now that he's not as good but still really good, we, we look at, down on him a little bit. But I, I just I, that defense scares me away from the Cowboys. Maybe they make the playoffs because they're in the NFC least, which, by the way, is not the worst division in football anymore. No, it but, is not. <laughs> not by a long but, shot. We'll get, we'll get into that in a moment. But uh, I, I think they, they're going to be in trouble in the playoffs. Anyway, let's talk about the Bucks because the Bucks won the Super Bowl, which is great. But, and, and, and it's this whole thing that happens every year. The team that wins the Super Bowl, oh, they're the best team again the next year. Easy, easy. I like a lot of the Bucks pieces. They're, they're, my biggest problem with them last year was their secondary, specifically their cornerbacks. And they did nothing to impress me, <laughs> to make me think that this problem was fixed uh, on Thursday night. It, their secondary looked porous against Zach, Dak Prescott. I didn't like that. I think, yes, maybe the Bucks can win the NFC, maybe, but if they can run into a good quarterback like Dak or Mahomes with an actual offensive line, they're going to get torn to shreds, and they kind of did against the Cowboys. I, I wasn't real thrilled with the Bucks. Everybody's reacting like, hey, whoa, the Bucks won again. They're going to the Super Bowl. They beat the Cowboys, who are good. But I didn't think the Bucks necessarily looked great doing it. I don't dislike the Bucks. I still think... In my opinion, they're the second-best team in the NFC. But I think we just need to hold our horses a little bit on, you know, putting them in ink in the Super Bowl again. I don't think that's happening. I definitely agree that it's not an in ink that they're going back to the Super Bowl. I think the difference between this year's Bucks team and plenty of those other teams that win a Super Bowl and then people just expect that that's going to make them good again next year, they brought back everybody. And that was in the headlines quite a bit, but the reason is that is very rare. Like they didn't lose any important pieces really from that Super Bowl winning team. And yeah, the secondary has had issues in the past, but when your pass rush is as good as what theirs is, and when your linebackers who are capable of dropping back in coverage and playing zone when they need to are as good as they are, I just don't know that it matters that much. Like you can have one position that you're a little bit weaker at. And I agree. I mean, when it, when it came down to it, the Cowboys were able to move the ball at will. I don't know, you know, what that's going to look like, but 
you know, again, before I would feel comfortable saying that the Bucks are no longer the best team in the NFC, I think I'm just going to need to see them stack up against one of these other top teams in the conference. Uh, and I'm going to need to see the same thing from, you know, from from the Rams. Obviously, they beat a pretty bad team this week. Um, so, yeah, I think I still need to see a little bit more out of them. But I do agree with you. I think it is basically those two and then everybody else in the NFC. Um, but I, I still think the Bucks are, are the top dog in that conference. Two things, and maybe this is a nitpick, but with them bringing everything back, their defense is looking just a shade old. Not, not They're not ancient, but they're looking just a little old. I don't know how that will affect them. Maybe it doesn't. Really, that again, that's a nitpick on their defense. It's, and again, I'm not saying the Bucks are they're bad. They're not going to do anything. They're still, in my opinion, the second best, and a close, very, very close second best team in the NFC. I just I feel like the hype has been quite a bit. And maybe a little too much where it's like, oh, we're just going to well, forget about that. They're in. And I, I just disagree with that. I think they're going to have to still play their way in and defeat these top teams. But again, if the Bucks make the Super Bowl, I'm not going to be like, oh, wow, that's shocking. But uh, easy just a little bit on, you know, anointing them the next great dynasty. Not saying you're doing that. I've just seen that relax a little bit. No, you're good. Really quickly, I think that the age thing is completely irrelevant if the reason Tom Brady is doing this is because of some kind of herbal supplement that he discovered in like the Earth's crust. Because if he's giving that crap to guys like Indomitian and Sue, it doesn't matter. But of course, you know, the, the age thing is a factor for sure. Please, Tyler, please. You're, you're looking into this way too much. You're, you're, it, it has nothing... Middle of the Earth sub, supplement clearly it's because he's made it so the entire team doesn't eat tomatoes oh of course no i'm sorry I, how could i forget that yes yes tomatoes are the culprit of all losing football seasons <laughs> you, you, you want to talk about the other uh, contender in the nfc the, the 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 packers uh yeah you know what i wasn't going to talk about him for a little bit but let's go ahead and get right to it well we're talking about tyler we're talking about the the, the contending team shouldn't we oh <laughs> Oh boy! Contending team. Look, and speaking and speaking also of NFC teams that were basically just running it back this year without really shifting too many pieces around. Uh, the Packers were supposed to be up there in the who can dethrone Tom Brady tier. They played my favorite team in the New Orleans Saints this week in a neutral stadium that 100% had more Packer fans than Saints fans. And look, I don't swear that often on the show. And I'm trying really hard to keep it together right now and not overreact, but holy shit. No Drew Brees, no Michael Thomas, no Traquan Smith, no Emmanuel Sanders, no Max Unger, Sheldon Rankins, Jared Cook, Alex Anzalone, Trey Hendrickson, Janoris Jenkins, Malcolm Brown, Josh Hill, or Jared Cook. This Saints team was a big, fat question mark heading into the season. No one really knew what the offense was going to look like under Jameis. No one knew if he was going to take too many risks. No one knew what this defense was going to look like. And wow, they came out. Offensively, they looked awesome. Five touchdowns, no interceptions out of Jameis Winston, who, by the way, kind of looks like a game manager now, which is really weird because we're not used to seeing that out of Jameis Winston. But I think he is running this offense perfectly. And when he needs to, he can throw the deep ball. I think this offense is actually going to be really good. They're not deep, but I think they're going to be really good when they do get Michael Thomas back. And then on the defensive side, 
they hold one of the most potent offenses in the league from a season ago to no touchdowns, two interceptions, and one fumble. This game was staggering. And I don't know if it says more about the Saints or if it says more about the Packers. I want to believe that it says more about what the Saints have become. But first and foremost, let's give a little bit of credit here to Sean Payton, who took the most undrafted free agent signings and turned it into a unit that absolutely pulverized the Packers on national television. They did do that. I, I was in a, uh, a Packers bar, actually, out here. You know, it was oh, no. Go fans, half Packer fans. It, you know, it's one of those, they got the sign of, you know, Packers bar, you know, Packers everywhere. Right. And it, it, it was, it, it really slowly started to clear out as that game went along. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a little bit of both. With when you ask, is this more of the Saints or more of the Packers? I think. I mean, our, our buddy Alex Weiner says that you know Aaron Rodgers still thinks he's on vacation, and maybe that's true. But it, he, the Packers aren't going to be this bad the rest of the way. I think we need to kind of table that a little bit. I think they will be better moving forward. But like, how do you only score three points if you, you come into this game like? I don't care who you're playing, but if you have Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, that at least reasonably good offensive line, the receiving core that they have, how do you not score a touchdown in a game? I just that that's just unfathomable to me. I I don't know, but I I, I want to see a little more of the Packers. But boy oh boy, the Saints look good, and, and I I like the Saints going into this year because. You talked about all those players they lost. And I don't think you mentioned Latavius Murray, Tyler, hmm. so shame on you. You're right. That's on me. <laughs> Saints legend. Um, he was on my fantasy team last year because I had to pick him up, and he was nothing. So well, of course. Right, forever. <laughs> forever. Uh, yeah. But they, one of those players they lost was Drew Brees. True Breeze looked really bad last year. He was a liability for them. They the playbook was cut in like half because he could he couldn't throw more than ten yards down the field. He just there wasn't that X factor. You could stack the box against him, bring everybody up because he couldn't throw deep. And there's something to be said for that. Jameis is the type of guy who's willing to take a shot. So even if he doesn't, it looks a little game manager-ish, which again, as I think you alluded to, is a good thing. You still know in the back of your head, if someone breaks loose, Jameis is going to load up. And maybe he throws it to the other team, but he's going to load up. <laughs> and, man, Jameis looked awesome. I, I think Jameis is such a huge upgrade over Drew, the Drew not, and I get it, Hall of Famer Drew Brees, over last year Drew Brees. That's why I like the Saints so much, is they lost some pieces, but they're still bringing a few guys back, still that same system under Sean Payton, but with a real quarterback. And anyone who says Jameis isn't a real quarterback is wrong. Uh, I know he throws a lot of picks, but he, he also did a lot of good things in, in, in Tampa Bay. Even that year he threw the picks. It was a 30-30 year because he threw 30 TDs, you know? I, I think Jameis is fine. He's not going to be five touchdowns and no interceptions all the time, but I think he's such a huge upgrade over Breeze at the most important position on the field. There you have it. I, I just think it makes the Saints competitive. Whether they make the playoffs or not is iffy, but they are competitive all of a sudden. Yeah, I completely agree. And there are a couple more points I really quickly want to touch on, just because again, this is this is the team that I that I follow more closely than anyone else. But 
you know, again, you look at the composition of this team. I think they're going to be a lot better when Michael Thomas gets back. But I think you also saw the the emergence of Deontay Harris as a deep threat. One of my all-time favorite Saints receivers for only one or two years was Ted Ginn. Um, because again, he just ran go routes and it was a lot of fun when Breeze could get the ball to him. But these last couple years with how dinged up he was, he was just completely inept. Like this offense basically had to run without utilizing deep threats as deep threats with Jameis in there. They're going to get a chance to stretch the field on teams a little bit. And I think that's going to make them even more dangerous because they're already one of the best teams inside 10 yards. But when you get a chance to stretch that downfield even further, it looks even better. And then you add in this guy, Tony Jones Jr., who I know not a lot of people are familiar with he was i believe he was signed as a i can't remember how they acquired him but yeah last year was his first year he just had a couple of touches he looked pretty good basically stepping in and filling latavius murray's shoes as that backup behind alvin Kamara and as the consistent guy that they want to go to up the middle and oh yeah by the way now the saints have Jameis winston who carried the ball six times for 37 yards and five of those were for emergency first downs so I really like where this team is going. I, I, again, I'm not saying this team is a lock to make the playoffs, but by the end of the year, I will be fascinated to see where New Orleans is at. I will also be fascinated to see where Green Bay is at because, again, they have nowhere to go but up from here. But, yeah, that their, their performance this week was inexcusable. Um, and if they keep this up, their season could be in jeopardy if uh, if you catch my drift. Sorry, that was, that was pretty bad. <laughs> I, I like that. Uh, their one saving grace is they play in the NFC North, so yeah, that helps. Yeah, it certainly does. All right, we've got a lot of other games here to talk about. And not a ton, but a, a decent amount. There was one game that obviously it's important, a lot happened, but again, it's the other game that just because the way things were structured, I didn't get to see a whole lot out of this game. The Seahawks take care of the Colts 28-16. to um, Huge day for Tyler Lockett, huge day for Russell Wilson. It seems like the Seahawks are kind of back to doing what they do. I guess my question, if you had a chance to see more of this game than I did, are you concerned for the Colts at this point? Yes. Okay. And, and here's why. I didn't actually, this is actually the game I probably saw the least of too, but oddly enough. But I, 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 I have an interest in the Colts because I did pick them to make the playoffs. You know, that was my hot take, them over the Ravens. Mm-hmm. And the reason I picked the Colts to make the playoffs was not because of Carson Wentz, though partly, actually that's not entirely entirely true. I, I, I think Carson Wentz is going to bounce back this year. I think people just like threw him under the bus and were like, all right, this guy's terrible. It's like an MVP candidate. Like, come on. He's better than he was in Philadelphia at the end. Let me put it that way. But the reason I picked this team is their defense. I really like their defense. I love their offensive line. Those two things together – you know, I think they can weather the storm a little bit at the beginning of the year and kind of be second-half darlings. That's my was my prediction. Man, their defense looked pretty suspect uh, against the, the Seahawks, and maybe that's just Russell Wilson and all his weapons, you know, getting it done. Russ is great. But, man, I was – that's my biggest takeaway from that game is the Colts' defense had me terrified for that pick, honestly. They looked – they look bad. And, and really, in all fronts, the, they weren't getting as much pressure as I would expect against that Seahawks offensive line. The secondary wasn't looking great. Maybe that's because there was no pressure. But, yeah, the Colts defense, that that's really the scariest thing that I saw from any like, contender. was like, oh, no, that's that's concerning. That's a, almost, yeah, it's week one. But, you know at least flip up the glass lid on the panic button when I saw how, how bad their defense looked. 
Yeah, three sacks, no turnovers forced, and they allow Russell Wilson to pretty much carve him up as he sees fit. I, I do want to see a little bit more out of this Indianapolis team before I pull, before I freak out. Um, but I will say, I think a lot of their success last season, they were playing in a pretty bad division. They did get a pretty easy schedule. Now, granted, they still play in that very bad division. They're still going to have an opportunity to get some big wins. But I think we're going to learn a lot about this team when they start playing teams like the Titans uh, going forward. I just, I don't really know what to make of Indy right now, but I agree with you. I think when it comes to that panic button, the, the glass lid has at least been removed. We're taking a look at it and we'll kind of see where they are um, here in a couple weeks. One other team that, let's be honest, has basically been mashing the panic button nonstop for the last two years. Uh, they did something that I don't think a lot of people expected. Ladies and gentlemen, the Chargers won a one-score game. It was decided by less than two touchdowns, and they won 20-16 to over a competent Washington football team. Um, I, really quickly, before we even get into the performance of, of Herbert or of anybody else individually in this game, your thoughts on how Brandon Staley handled things? Because I think that may be the biggest missing piece that this Chargers team has been missing these last couple of years. The Chargers are my, you know, my pick to be the team that not surprises everyone, but is, you know, just really good. I, I If they didn't play in the same division as the Chiefs, and we didn't have to work if Patrick Mahomes and them didn't exist. I might be taking the, the the Chargers to the Super Bowl. I love the Chargers, and I think they have gotten that kind of that almost that Virginia rap from when Virginia lost to a 16 seed, and then the next year everyone said, "Oh, they're not going to do anything." And granted, the Chargers kind of situation has lasted a little bit longer with, "Oh, they can't win one score games," you know, doink, missing field goals. That's all. A little bit luck stuff, right? At some level, right? And missing the field goals. And I don't like to, you know, make my picks based on luck. I look at the, the Chargers, and at some point, luck turns. And I think the luck is turning for the Chargers. And it certainly helps when you have a coach who makes competent decisions. That that it, it makes you a lot more lucky when you when you do that. I I love the Chargers this year. They are they are my team to say they're going for it again. I wouldn't pick them in the AFC over the Chiefs, but. Look out for the Chargers. They're going to be really, really good. Sure. And I can't remember which side of this argument you were on, but one of the only other things that I kind of got into it with Koki a little bit with on the show, he seemed to think that Washington was actually going to win the division, not just make the playoffs. He thought they were going to win it all um, out in the NFC East. When it comes to Washington, Fitzpatrick's going to be on IR for a little bit. It's going to be uh, right back to Taylor Heineke. And they looked good in this game to a degree, but I just, I don't know. I, I think I was a little iffy on Washington. I had them picked to just miss the playoffs, and I think even more so now that they don't have Ryan Fitzpatrick, I just don't really know what the future looks like this season for, for Washington. I actually agree with Kobe. I had them winning the division. And not because I think they're they're incredible. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys are that good. I, I don't like their defense, but Washington has a very good defense. They have star power on that on that defense. They have great weapons. I, I really think I love the, I love their running backs with Gibson. I think their offensive line is very good. I like McLaurin out there, and the receiving core isn't deep, but it's competent and pretty good. And the only piece missing, you said it, is the quarterback. And Fitzpatrick getting hurt really really does hurt things a little bit because we all know that Ryan Fitzpatrick can come in, manage a game, and at least be competent. We're kind of—he's kind of in a Tom Brady situation, 
not saying he's Tom Brady, but we were kind of waiting for him to fall off the hill and just be like miserable one year and like, oh, this guy, he's, he can't be in the league anymore. And it just has not happened. And so if Heineke can at least keep them going for six weeks, Ryan Fitzpatrick seems to go through six-week stretches where he's really good. So, you know, now he's missing six weeks. Well, maybe then he can come in and be really good the last six weeks of the season and help propel them into the top of the division. I, I just choose the team with the better defense over and better offensive. Well, I don't know if their offensive line is better necessarily. Eh, I guess it is. But I, I like the defense better and as a unit. That's why I picked them over the Cowboys. And, and losing to the Chargers is not a bad thing. I, I, I couldn't believe that the Chargers weren't favored in this game. Uh, thank you, DraftKings, for making me money because of that. <laughs> um. But yeah, I love the Chargers, and so I'm not writing off Washington at all because I'm not saying anybody is, but really I, I'm not worried about Washington too much, though Heineke. <laughs> so so preseason picks aside, I mean, knowing what you know now and knowing what you know about some of these other teams like the Saints and the NFC, let me just ask, does Washington make the playoffs this year in your opinion? I still think they win the division, so yes. Okay, okay. Very bold, but I, I, I kind of like it. Um, All right, another team, and again, we're kind of switching gears and going back to the AFC, but another team that is, again, the biggest winners of week one were the Kansas City Chiefs because the rest of the AFC fell apart, and we're going to talk about some of those teams right now. The team that's supposed to be the biggest challenger to Patrick Mahomes and company is the Buffalo Bills, and they looked terrible against the Pittsburgh Steelers. 23-16, Pittsburgh gets a win. That is a Pittsburgh team that I was fully expecting to fall off a cliff this year. I guess my big question here is, does this game tell us more about Buffalo or does it tell us more about Pittsburgh? Kind of the same question we posed with that Packers-Saints game. I've thought about that kind of in that context, and it's tough to say. I think it let us know that, yeah, this hype around the Pittsburgh defense is real. They're really good. But I, I think it tells us a little bit more about the Bills. Their defense, which is really what they've hung their hat on. I know Josh Allen's been terrific and all of that, but the defense is really where they hung their hat. And Steelers' offensive line isn't very good. And, and yes, they did get after it with them. But like, this is one of the worst offensive lines in football. You don't, you shouldn't be losing to this team if you have an elite defense. Really quickly, just to be to be completely fair to the Bills, they only allowed one touch. They only allowed Pittsburgh to score one touchdown on their offense. I, they did. I I, I, I I know, but there's just plays here and there where it's like we need to get after it here, and I I just think I could have seen more. Now you alluded to it, the offense for the Bills, <laughs> and the only reason I bring up the defense first even though they perform better than the offense, just because that was, you know, that's their thing, the defense. The offense, their running game looked abysmal. Like, my goodness. Come on, guys. And I, I, this is a really good Pittsburgh defense. I think they proved that. Josh Allen, it looks like Josh Allen has to be impeccable in order for them to win football games this year because of how bad their running game looked. And he was not impeccable, and they did not win the football game. So I, again, don't press the panic button. But if the running game continues to be this bad, I'm concerned for the Bills. Yeah, I think at this point, at least, I am much more concerned about Washington and certainly more concerned about the Colts than I am about the Bills. But this is not a great this is not how you want to start your season um, if your goal is to take the next step and make it to the Super Bowl. So. 
Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll kind of have to keep an eye on things there. And again, I think to their defense's credit, yeah, there were a couple of really bad plays, but, you know, it held Ben Roethlisberger under 200 yards and one touchdown. They only allowed like 75 yards on the ground throughout the entire game for a Steelers team that was touting Najee Harris. But you just need to see a lot more out of the Bills. And again, if this team is supposedly the best chance the AFC has to take out the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are feeling wonderful about themselves. We'll talk about the Chiefs in a moment, but really quickly, just because I know this is going to be a fun one, uh, let's go ahead and talk about another team that has claimed to be oh. that team that, that can maybe step up and take down the Chiefs. There are actually two options that completely imploded this week. Let's talk about the worst one. The Tennessee Titans got absolutely, to borrow a phrase from my friend Matthias Weilman, mollywopped by the Arizona Cardinals. 38-13. to This Titans team looked so unbelievably bad. And by the way, this is a Titans offense that was supposed to be even more, even more potent this year with the addition of Julio Jones. Julio Jones is currently being yelled at by his coach in press conferences for some off-field shenanigans that were going on during the game. And let's take a look at how this potent offense performed. Derrick Henry was held to... Seven yards on eight carries to start the game. He finished with 58 yards on 17 carries. Ryan Tannehill second in rushing with 17 yards. Tannehill had one touchdown to one interception. Chester Rogers led the team in receiving. Four catches, 62 yards. It wasn't A.J. Brown. It wasn't Julio, who, by the way, brought in three receptions for 29 yards in his debut. And then on the defensive side, they got absolutely wrecked by Kyler Murray and company. And it's really difficult because I got trapped into doing this last year. And, and there is every every fiber of my soul wants to do it. And I think I'm just going to say screw it and do it. I'm back on the Cardinals hype train, baby. Um, Kyler looks awesome. This offense looks awesome. Cliff Kingsbury is still incompetent. But like, if they can figure some things out in the running game, I think this team is still going to be really good. And hell, the NFC West might get four playoff teams. I don't know. Yeah, if the Cardinals played in the uh, NFC anywhere else, the NFC East, say, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, put them in the playoffs. But, I, okay, I think this was more a reflect. Well, we are in a weird situation, Tyler, because the two people that we talk about the NFL the most with, other than each other, are our friends Alex and Kobe, one of whom covers the Cardinals and is incredibly high on them, mm-hmm. and then one who, for whatever reason, thinks they are, like, you know, incompetent still which okay <laughs> so we're in this like weird juxtaposition where you can't quite make it out based on them and they confuse they confuse me a lot when it comes to that i looked at the cardinals before this year and i said this defense is competent kyler murray's a stud he was playing hurt at the end of last year the receiving core is nuts the running backs are good their offensive line might actually be okay I, I like the cardinals and i, I it came down to that. It came down to the division again when I was making my playoff picks. It's like, well, Seahawks, Niners, Rams, I'll have them in. And I said, I kind of did the same thing you just did. I said, forget it. I'm putting the Cardinals in the playoffs. I, it, It's happening. There's just, they're the, they're the best team out of any of those other ones. And I get it. They play in that same division, so it could be weird. I think there's a world where they could win nine games outside their division. Like looking at their schedule, they could win nine games especially after this Titans win. This Titans win was unbelievably huge for the Cardinals. I don't think that's being talked about enough. For them to sneak into the playoffs, they needed this win, and they got it. And the Titans, 
their defense was supposedly fixed. No, it, it wasn't. It looked <laughs> awful. But, I mean, overreact maybe, but it looked awful. It, I don't think it's overreaction if they do the same thing they did last year, which is look bad. So there you go. And then Derrick Henry, we don't talk about enough how much usage he gets. And are we sure this offensive line is good? They didn't look that great. And is Henry a step slower because of how much usage he's been getting? I don't know. That would be an overreaction to say that. But I think it's something to keep an eye on. I have, if there's any team that I'm like bailing on after the first week, it's the Titans. No, I completely, go ahead. I came very close to picking the Colts over them in the division. And I was like, no, no, you know, I've seen the Titans. They they won it last year. They've got, you know, I like Tannehill. They fixed their defense. And I I put them in over the Colts. And I'm regretting that decision, even though the Colts didn't look terrific because everything I feared about the Titans seems to be true. So, yeah, I'm asleep on the Titans. I I can finally close my book on them. Maybe now they'll all of a sudden be really good again. But I I can finally just say, forget it. I'm I'm through with the Titans. But I, I really like the Cardinals. I'm with you. Yeah, I think, uh, again, I was looking at it. I had the Cardinals just missing the postseason in my projections. I had them as the first team out because of the division. Um, but I agree. I think I'm kind of out on the Titans right now. And what? look, again, you said it would be an overreaction to say that maybe Derrick Henry is done. I'm not saying he's done, but what do we know about running backs? They are historically great until they suddenly aren't. Todd Gurley was the best running back in the league. Two years later, he barely found his way onto an NFL roster. And this has happened with so many different guys throughout the course of NFL history. And like you said, his usage is insane. And when the offensive line isn't clicking, I mean, look, they had a first and goal from the five-yard line. They did not punch it in with Derrick Henry. So these are the kinds of things that you have to ask yourself. You you know, again, get Derrick Henry the damn ball. That was the philosophy for so long, but... I just don't know if that's sustainable anymore. And with the way this offense is run, I just don't know. I don't know. There are too many question marks for me to feel comfortable about the Titans right now. On the other side, let's give some credit to the Cardinals. We know what we were getting with this team offensively. Their defense looked awesome. And specifically, let's give a shout out to Chandler Jones. Five sacks in one game. Are you kidding me? Chandler Jones had twice as many sacks as the entirety of the Titans defense in a single game. And oh yeah, by the way, J.J. Watt also looks awesome. So I think the Cardinals are the real deal. They might not even have to finish fourth and sneak into their into the playoffs. Like I think this team could genuinely make some noise out in that NFC West. But yeah, this was kind of the game that I think other than that Steelers-Bills game, I think this game told us a lot about these couple of teams. Uh, there are two more games really quickly that we need to get to. Let's start with Monday Night Football. The Ravens get walked off by the Las Vegas Raiders, 33-27, and oh boy. So again, this is why I say the Chiefs are the, the Chiefs undoubtedly are the winners because not only do they go 1-0 to start the season, they're looking at their other competitors from a year ago. The Titans look like just absolute garbage masquerading as a football team. The Bills couldn't handle the Steelers, and the Ravens got walked off by one of the most suspect teams in the NFL and the Raiders. Oh boy, the Ravens look bad. And yeah, I understand they have the issues at, at running back and all the and, uh, depth, but oh boy, the Ravens look bad. <laughs> I'm glad the Raiders won this game. I'm glad they won their first game in the Death Star. I like that. I like Derek Carr. I think he gets too much hate. I think he's a at least competent quarterback. Though he didn't prove that at the beginning of the game. Boy. But he did at the end. He looked a lot better. Other than that, I know the pick. I, but other than that, he really let him well down the stretch in uh, the regular regular time. But 
I was kind of out on the Ravens this year. I, I, I don't have them in the playoffs. And, and my reasoning for this is not that I think they're going to be awful. Like, that, that's, I, I hate that we, we go through this thing. Well, if you don't think they're making the playoffs, you think they're a bad team. Well, that's not necessarily true. I just, I don't trust the Ravens. I don't, I don't think, and I, this is something I tend to rage against, but I don't think they have a killer instinct. As silly as that sounds, I, they don't try and win games. They don't really hone in on touchdowns. They settle for a lot of field goals. And I am still not a Lamar believer. I, I don't trust Lamar. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just don't get why we keep giving Lamar these second chances. Like, oh, this will be the year for Lamar. And, and I get it. He, when he did all this stuff, MVP, Madden cover, woo! I, but NFL defensive coordinators have figured that out. And you can't throw the ball down the field. And you have bad receivers. You make bad decisions. And, boy, if you're fumbling the football twice a game, that's really not good for a quarterback that tends to carry the ball a lot. I just... I don't think this league has evolved to the point yet where you can be a run first quarterback and succeed. I just don't think it's there yet. Uh, didn't work for RG three. It, 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 and it's not really working for Lamar Jackson, especially in the playoffs. He gets just killed. And I, everyone's talking about, Oh, well the Ravens it, or I'm sorry, the Raiders, here we go again. Them and the chargers always choking, right? Which is true. The Ravens are phenomenal choke artists. And they have continued to be while Lamar has been there. I'm and have been out on Lamar, and it bites me occasionally when he has that one really big game. But I'm sleep on Lamar. I don't love the Ravens. I I really don't care for their offensive weapons that much. I don't think, and their defense didn't look as good as it should have been. So I'm out on the Ravens. This just continued to prove it to me. Week one overreaction, maybe, but when you say it before the season, and then they prove it. That helps. Yeah, it certainly does. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a quarterback. This quarterback won the MVP award in a season in which he had 35 touchdowns and only 10 interceptions. The next season, the team missed the playoffs. He had 19 touchdowns to 14 interceptions, and then quickly fell off a cliff after that. Do you know who that quarterback was? Um, no. It was Cam Newton. Oh. <laughs> and I'm not trying to make I'm not trying to say it's the same thing because Lamar Jackson is a different player than Cam Newton was, but I agree with you. I think that there is there is far too much stock that goes into that MVP award, but at the end of the day, you look at the offense and again, I know the offense, I know the running backs core is shot to hell, but look, they they haven't really changed anything. And until Lamar Jackson can throw the ball down the field, these quarterbacks are electric. They're fun to watch. They put up big numbers in fantasy. They don't win Super Bowls. And it's always been this way. Michael Vick didn't win a Super Bowl, right? Cam Newton didn't win a Super Bowl. And I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to win a Super Bowl. And I'm not as far off the wagon as you are where I, as far off the bandwagon, I should say, as you are where I think they're going to necessarily miss the playoffs. But this team did not look very good. I'm, and I'm sorry, but the, the biggest concern for me isn't even the offense. It's the defense. You should not be allowing 33 points overtime or no overtime to the Las Vegas Raiders. They are not good enough to be putting up the kind of numbers that they put up the other night. <coughs> other than a couple of drops, they seem to move the ball pretty much at will. And there were a lot of drops. Like, it could have been much worse. This could have been a blowout if the Raiders receiving core had taken care of business. But, I mean, again, my biggest takeaway from this, like some of these other games, like the Titans game, I think the AFC is just in a really bad spot. And at this point, unless something changes fast, 
I think the Chiefs are going to be able to to waltz into the Super Bowl this year out of the AFC. Yeah, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the uh, Chiefs' other competitor that they played against this well, week. Well, let's get to that. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about it. Unless you had more that you wanted to talk about with Raiders Ravens. Um, uh, no, I don't. I don't want to talk about the Ravens anymore. I'm tired of hearing about them. All right. Well, I saved this for last because, and again, Ethan, you know me. We've been doing shows together. This is like year six, probably. Maybe you're five. Yeah. It's been a while, right? Like we have been on air together for a long time. I'm not the hot take guy, right? Like I don't, I don't come in with these flaming, scalding takes all the time to try to get attention. I think Chiefs Browns might have been a preview of the AFC Championship game. I think the Browns might be the second best team in the AFC. I, I said it. I don't think they can make a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, I saw the stat this morning. Baker Mayfield has more fourth quarter interceptions than any other quarterback through the amount of games that he has played in his career. I think they are a great quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. But with that being said, I really liked what I saw out of the Browns. And I, again, I picked, them, I picked them to win the division preseason. I thought this was going to be a really good year for them. I didn't expect them to look as good as what they did in this game. And I'm telling you what, if they can stay healthy and if they can keep this up, look out. Because this Browns team, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this year. Yeah, I think you really nailed it on the head when you said they are going to be a contender, but not a Super Bowl contender without, with Baker Mayfield. I agree with you. I don't know if Baker can close games. He's not the type of quarterback where you say, hey, we're down in the fourth quarter. We need you to go win the game. Go lead us on a drive, whether, or even when you're up. Because that happened in the Chiefs game. Mm -hmm. They were up, and it's like, okay, Baker, get us a few first downs and we can kind of roll this one out. Didn't happen. And and I think that whatever it is in the fourth quarter with Baker, maybe he's just, I think it's simply he's just not quite good enough. Uh, And I agree with you there. The Browns have built this team the right way, though. I don't think we talk enough about how the Browns have constructed this team. They've worked on the trenches. They've gotten the pieces they've needed to around Baker so he can be successful. They've got a good running back tandem. Whatever you think of Kareem Hunt's, you know, off-field stuff, he was a good pickup for them football-wise to add with with Chubb. They've got good receivers. Not great receivers. I I think Odell, I'm still a little, uh, good receivers. But they have built this team from the trenches out, and and it really shows. And I think they competed well against the Chiefs. I think the Browns are one of those teams that's going to get better as the season goes along. But I am so glad you said that the Browns look good in this game because uh, most of the takes I'm saying is, well, there go the Chiefs. And and yes, to some extent, I agree. I think the Chiefs were an offensive lineman or two away from winning the Super Bowl again last year. And I think they've got those back in the year. They're going to go to the Super Bowl again. But I'm so glad you you saw that. the I think the Browns look really good. They were up against a really good Chiefs team and they look competitive well and let's also not forget that if Tyreek Hill doesn't peel off of a deep route where Mahomes literally said ah screw it Tyreek got to be out there somewhere like the Browns could have won this football game again that that was such a bizarre play where he came back on a broken route and Mahomes just kind of yeeted him the football and it ends up working out for the Chiefs I, I still think the Chiefs have the most prolific offense in football but I'm telling you, the Browns looked really good, and I don't think the Chiefs looked like the best team in the NFL this week. I really don't. Um, I think after this week, there are probably, in my opinion, three teams that can win a Super Bowl this year, uh, and we'll see what happens with with some of these other teams that are supposed to be in that group. But again, I think Kansas City, it's not like last year 
where they walked in and after week one, you're you're looking at it and you're going, I don't know who's going to unseat this team. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I don't think Cleveland's been getting enough credit. Um, and let's not forget, they had to blow a lead to have Kansas City come back and win that game. At one point, they were up 22 to 10. So, you know, it's just going to be a matter of can Cleveland replicate this down the stretch. Yeah, I, I agree with everything, actually, you said about the Browns. Uh, the one last point I want to make on the Chiefs is, remember when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. They did this every game. Remember, they were down in, like, every game down the stretch. Remember that? Yep. And they would just come back and come back. And they did that again here, right? So I think it's less the Browns blowing it. Though Baker could have gotten that, those couple first downs, or they could have made that play, or... I think the Chiefs just came back on him and were the Chiefs. I, I think this is less an indictment on the Browns than it is all oh, the Chiefs are just really, really good. And, and the Chiefs have been so good and then didn't win the Super Bowl last year. Now it's kind of this, oh, okay, maybe they're not that good. Yeah, they're still really, really good. And I, and I would not be stunned if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl again this year. In fact, I'd almost like them to at some level because of that kind of, oh, okay, maybe they're not for real. No, that's a prolific football team still. No doubt about it. As a Kansas City guy, I completely agree. Also, something about teams in Kansas City winning in comeback fashion, it's just its just been a theme. <laughs> it's just been a theme these last six or seven years. Um, well, my, as long as they don't go up against the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, geez, yeah. Right? No, San let's, Francisco and Kansas City teams, do we, do we want to talk about that too? Well, I mean, it, to be fair, the Chiefs did win a Super Bowl over San Francisco for their yeah. one Super Bowl in this era, so it was a little That's bit. It was a little bit of. Uh, it was a little bit of comeback or a little bit of payback uh, in a roundabout way. Uh, I have one final closing comment that I want to make on the Chiefs, then we'll wrap the show up for today. Um, I still think the one thing Kansas City is missing, it, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, just needs to be better. And there's, it's. I hate saying that about any professional athlete who is obviously much better than I am at everything. Um, but man, you just get the feeling if this team had a dynamic running back. That's really the only thing that they're missing right now. You can you can point to a couple of little things on the defense here and there that maybe they could tighten up, but man, you just you, you hate to ask yourself that question. But if this team had a prolific running back, I think it, it's game set and match for the rest of the league. I mean, I feel like you can say that with a lot of teams, though. If they've just had this one piece, right? I think that is the piece on offense that the Chiefs are lacking in the most because the rest of the offense is so good. I think it's easy to look at the one piece that isn't, you know ridiculous and say uh and yes he can be better that's not what i'm saying but it's just he's playing around these these giants and it's like uh regular run of the mill running back it's it, it, it it's tough um but yeah if they had you know derrick henry from last year of course they're ridiculous <laughs> good luck like they're gonna score 100 points a game but I, it's tough. I, I want to see more out of him this year because remember he, he was banged up. So I, I, I would like to see a little bit more out of him this year. But that's an interesting point. Sure. All right. Fair enough. Well, that is uh, just kind of a brief wrap. I, I say brief. It was about an hour. Um, that was a an in-depth wrap here on week one of the NFL. Really, really happy to have football back. Ethan, really glad to have you back on the show as well. Uh, and I look forward to talking with you more throughout the season. Sounds good. Always a pleasure. All right. Well, that'll just about do it for us. I want to say thank you once more for tuning in, and we will catch you next week or later this week, depending on time, for another edition of the TBH Sports Podcast.